This is the one with the temperament of an overcautious rabbit. A thermatologist, to be precise. The comparative concept of time. And a vegetarian turducken of boy and girl bits. It's called Trial of a Time Lord, Part 3. And it's known as Terror of the Vervoids. Here we Here go. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thalent, Hood, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Hello! Beautiful, marvellous, stupendous people out there in podcast land. Welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Dogpast. Indeed, my friend. Who am I? I'm Jim. I'm Hi, Jim. this evening. And that friend, that lovely voice, it is none other than the marvellous chap we all know, love, <laughs> cherish, hug when we see him, <laughs> want to hug. When we don't see him, it's Leon! Hey, it's me! Hello, hello, Jim. Hello, podcast lad. <laughs> hello, Leon. Wow, what an yes, intro. Hello. Holy smoke. <laughs> Trying to do one better than you always do for me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, what are we doing? We are chatting this evening about Terror of the Fervoid. But no, I always want to say Fervoid. Vervoid. Yeah. I believe is the pronunciation. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> I spent too long in Germany. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, Trial of a Time Lord still, part three. What are we thinking top level, Mr. Leon? Well, I mean, I think this was a pretty good one. Okay. Yeah, oh, wow, that sounded so sceptical. I was led to believe, <laughs> in fact, I think we were led to believe in the Listener Mini last time, two weeks ago, or maybe the time before then, that this was all going to be on a steady course downward. So Not so. some bells. This is this is some top notch shiznit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we might have to swap out some different definitions for shiznit to to make that <laughs> sentence actually true. Yeah, I think I agree with you. This this wasn't the downward spiral that had been alluded to, but right? hmm, I'm yeah. comfortably sat in the okay category I at the see. moment. Okay, yeah, so I how think. does this compare to mind warp? Mind warp, I've already forgotten about to be honest. So it's probably doing <laughs> oh, better. You've been mind warped. Mind <laughs> yeah. warp was the one where Perry was just excised from the canon at yeah. the last minute. So much so that we didn't talk about it at all. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't even realize it was happening. Maybe we should devote a moment or so to to Perry this week. But maybe it had that crazy guerrilla warfare subplot with what's his name? <laughs> I want to say James L. Jones, but not James L. Jones. Brian Blessed. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Britain's answer to James Earl Jones, I think. <laughs> you know, it had all those things. Slug, Jabba's, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It was chaotic. This one, I feel much less chaotic. I would I would grant you that. I think, yeah. This was more traditional classic yeah. who fair, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Which, you know, obviously there are a lot of plus points for it being that. But I think not everything may be pulled off to the best of its abilities type thing. I don't know. We are floundering around because we don't want to get into too much detail. And the reason is we're the wrong side of the bite-sized chunk of who. So how about we do that and then get the right side of the bite-sized chunk? That's a spiffing idea. Let's be scow. (laughs) 
Time for us to synopsize Lerbify and summarize So take a view And grab a brew And listen to this overview This free-for-all We like to call A bite-sized chunk of who Bite-sized chunk of who After a small recess in the trial We're treated to another piece of evidence A.K.A. a normal Doctor Who serial Played out on Time Lord TV This time, however It's Doc who's using some material from the Matrix As he's finally got a chance to defend himself Weirdly, he's chosen a piece from the future which he's reviewed out of episode and has decided will absolutely, without question, prove his innocence, and definitely in no way whatsoever will it backfire. Oh, it's possible he was also influenced by the producers because it conveniently gives us a new companion without any of the awkward getting-to-know-them stage. So then... Hyperion 3, a space liner in, well, space, is on its way somewhere and has about enough passengers for a Christie-esque mystery. There's the security guard with an ulterior motive, the two discriminated aliens with a grudge, the botanists with a hidden agenda, and a few red shirts to make it all worthwhile. Doc and his new companion, Mel, arrive amongst this convenient setup, having been summoned by way of a mayday, and are soon drawn into the many parallel plots happening around them. Sentient plant life is being smuggled aboard, someone keeps breaking crockery, and another's just been murdered. It now falls upon our intrepid twosome to figure out who done it. Beast cow over. over. You are welcome. <laughs> Aren't you just? Yeah. Oh, Jim Cakes. Oh, Jim Cakes. Does that not sound like a recipe for a great Hoovian time? It's pretty, pretty incredible stuff. Yes, when we write it in that gorgeous way. Do you, do you have any opening questions, or do you want to uh, dive into a big thing? Oh, I've, I've, I've got so many questions for you. Uh, okay, all right. You, let's, let's go. We can, we can get through your questions. You know what? Give me what we said, pre B Scout back in the day. Here's a question of some relevance. Do you know who would have been a great asset in this serial? Who's that? Perry. <laughs> you is... mean the budding botanist? <laughs> yes. She would have been such a good companion in this one. <laughs> Why did they just kill her off? They could have had her this... in this one, and then she maybe tragically gets killed off by the plants. <laughs> oh, the irony. Yeah. Yeah. Mel could it does have been feel a little bit ship. of... Yeah. It, it feels a little bit of middle finger towards... The character Perry and or yeah. the the actress. <laughs> I I don't Absolutely. remember seeing anything about them departing on bad terms. But no, no, you're right. This is weird for it to, to have been a very botany heavy episode just after she gets killed off. Absolutely agreed. So okay, that's that's my only Perry question. Do we need to say anything about Perry, or shall we just? Close that door and uh, pour one out for her. I think we need to pour one out and just say, yeah, that was really shit. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. Perry, we miss you. Come back. That being said, would you like to have a conversation about the new companion? Yes, this is actually where I was thinking we might want to start. Hmm. Because I would like your thoughts on this kind of fast forwarding. And we just get Doctor with new companion. There's no picking up the companion. We don't know where she came from who she is, just bam, straight in. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree with you. That's totally bizarro. I haven't checked, but are you aware of whether we get to travel with Mel for a while? Or is she just a very short-term companion? I believe she travels with the Seventh Doctor as well. Oh, right. Okay. Well, in that case, yikes caramba. (laughs) Because, come on, seriously. Actually, wait, I take that back. I retract my yikes and my caramba. Could it not be that because we are going to be traveling with her for a while, that we will get the backstory retroactively added in? And if we do, I mean, would you feel okay yeah. about it? I don't. Yeah, I don't really mind 
that we've jumped in without that episode where you pick up the companion because a lot of the time to be honest those are weaker episodes and they're not i don't think they're very good at introducing the characters sometimes and also yeah you can do a lot of stuff you can you can get backstory across through dialogue and little exposés and stuff you know it doesn't have to be you see it all but it it is a bit weird yeah i mean we get in this setup as well for her Uh, yeah you tell me what does she do (laughs) what does she do for a living no idea from when is she from? We can only assume she's from the time period of Earth, which is 1986, the time of this yeah. serial. Probably around, around London, near Hammersmith, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very likely. You're right. But it is a bit odd. In fact, the whole setup of going into your future, picking out a story and going, this is the one that I'm going to use as evidence is baffling to me. Because yeah. is it that he's consulted the Matrix and said, provide me with an example that ticks these boxes and then the Matrix gave him an, an example from the future? Or has he just the means of going into the Matrix and seeing his entire future, including the end to this trial, by the way, and just picking out a random sampling? This does not seem in any way above board. <laughs> no, and it, it doesn't seem logical either. Well, it seems to me that Doc doesn't have a good defense. It's like everything he's done up to now, he can't find something that proves he's not been fucking around with time and, and whatnot. Yeah. So he has to uh, go to the future. What? <laughs> yeah. Here's another question for you. If this evidence is admissible in court does that not mean that he has a future and consequently he will win this trial oh don't play that card i mean wibbly wobbly no, seriously who knows <laughs> <laughs> it's from the future isn't that like in all oh, right so that, logic, I guess that yeah. means you're not gonna be killed before you have a chance to leave this room you clearly go on a space cruise that, that, <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah it's really weird and it i mean i can only assume it's purely been done because they wanted to get a new companion for some reason they've killed off perry in the middle of yeah. this season which is one big plot like one yeah, big courtroom absurd. they decided to yeah. kill off a companion and swap in a new one so they have yeah. to do that in this really weird way because there's no other way of doing it i guess i don't know yeah they kill a companion don't give her a farewell they bring in a companion that they don't give her a hello it all seems <laughs> like super patchwork yeah i mean how do you feel about Mel you must have uh, sorry I was, I was gonna say you you must have seen people describe this season as like so many people say this is the bbc trying to make everyone hate doctor who like they're trying to drop doctor who for some reason and they just intentionally made it bad which i mean i don't buy that in the slightest but like, have, I, I, have you I've seen people talk about it this that. way I've no i've heard that about trial of a time lord i've heard that about the sylvester mccoy era that when the seventh doctor was brought on board, the BBC just went, nope, don't care. And didn't give them any budget, didn't give them any editors. Like, it was just dreadful. And they had forced the show into right. tanking. But Trial of a Time Lord, I've not necessarily heard it been spoken of super favorably, but I've heard it spoken of as a legendary entry in the classic canon. And that almost by definition is something positive to me. Yeah. I mean, it's possible people are just taking the the sentiment from the Seventh Doctor and, and dialing it backwards. So it's like, oh, they must have known that this was already happening, sort of thing, when the Sixth yeah. Doctor was around. I don't know. I mean, but yeah, all, it's it's odd, ahead, odd the choices that are being made. And I can see why people would think there's an intentional view of, like, 
trashing the show, but it also it can just be they're struggling reviewing figures. They're trying anything and everything to make it more interesting. Like this concept itself of like one long trial for a season. Yeah, it's is obviously very it's different. A new take on it. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's see what happens in the final part. At this point, I would only be thirty. 34 maybe maybe even like 31 percent surprised if it ends in trial by combat and the type of combat doc chooses is to space surf over a space shark (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) it's fair (laughs) so um back to the companion how do you yeah you want to talk about mel herself yeah 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 how do you feel about her i have a weird actual sense of ambivalence about her i think oh okay i think i like her but she's also quite annoying. <laughs> so like to start yeah. with, she was just annoying. And then she oh, definitely God, grew on yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. In parts one and two, Mel pretty much leads, like spearheads the shit acting contingent of this series. <laughs> and there is so much OTT acting in parts one and two yeah. in particular. But by the end of this serial, I feel like she's really comfortable in the role already. It's all very characteristic. Well, I, I think- she's pretty silly yeah. everything's very silly but yeah there is there is that tone throughout it all but i think also her competence is there it's just her annoyance is too high to start with for you to kind yeah. of pick up on it but i think she is from the start portrayed as someone who's probably traveled with a doctor a long time already i know yeah knows a load of stuff is way more gung-ho about things than most companions and in this Certainly. serial more gung-ho than the doc in a lot of situations like very very competent yeah so yeah i mean they're all positive things it's just yeah she was quite annoying to start with so i, I don't know if she's gonna settle into a nice pattern or if she's always gonna have a slightly annoying streak that you have to kind of look past because she's a very competent companion and actually she has quite a good rapport with the sixth doctor as well i was gonna say those two get along like a house on fire they get along in a more natural way here than we were kind of led to believe that doc and perry were getting along in mind warp yeah or even in the one before then you know whatever that was called i can't remember now but where it was almost a mysterious planet is that what it was called something yeah 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 where from one season to the next there's clearly been a note from somewhere either to the bbc or from bbc execs just going it's really strange when the two protagonists don't get along we we don't want a lead character who is constantly a dick to the character who's meant to be his best friend so have those two get along and then they do and it kind of doesn't work because we've seen them hate each other for ages but here i totally buy that those two are friends it's just i would have liked to have seen that yeah i think this is the thing as well like you keep saying they're friends and I totally buy that immediately with Mel. Like, they seem yeah. very much on the same level. But I think a lot of the time, what you saw with Doc and Perry was almost like a father daughter relationship. He, oh, he always had this sort of protective and almost a bit patronizing. Like, yeah, I think even when they were getting on, that was still maybe like floating around a little bit. I don't know if that was intentional or just the way it came across. Yeah, he certainly was talking, or at least alluding to his age and wisdom more around her. That's a super interesting take. Mm. Yeah, we don't really get that here, but then it's also not a story that really allows that to happen necessarily. No, true. I guess I I might be influenced by the introduction of Perry, which of course, we didn't get an introduction to Mel, so we don't know the backstory, but Perry was introduced as a student. She had this stepfather, I think it was, that was you know looking after her like she was portrayed as a young character and whilst mel looks 
I don't know, about the same age as far as I'm concerned. I don't know how old she is, really. She comes across more adult, more commanding, more independent, I think, just like immediately, because we haven't seen anything like that. None of those. Yeah, that's very familiar true. Relationships. Perry also is brought on board by another companion who is dressed as a schoolboy. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> and age-wise, they are presented as peers, and it, that just automatically grades her down as a younger generation, certainly, but practically a child compared to the Doctor. Yeah. I like that. It'll be interesting to see them. Not afraid. Oh, sorry, what was that? I say it's going to be interesting to see their their relationship as it goes on, whether it stays this way where they feel like on a level level playing field, sort of. But Yeah, definitely. Maybe it will go up and down a bit. Yeah, agreed. Something I look forward to seeing more of, and that I really appreciated in Mel in this one, was that she does not pull any punches. She is very happy to be... You're a little sassy with Doc. That's good. That's that's excellent. Yeah, definitely. She yeah, because like, one of the first like notes I have about her, other than her being annoying, was that like she straight away she wants to go and investigate, and she tells Doc to go and look at the passenger list. Is like you go see if you recognize any names because you yeah. might do. Like you know the Commodore. You've been traveling around, and like she's actually almost ordering him you know, around to tell him to do stuff. Yeah, nice one, Mel. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, not the first time that we've encountered Mel on Who Back When. Oh, have you had some audio stuff? No. Oh. If I'm not mistaken, she's one of the members of Companions Anonymous at the end of Power of the Doctor. Oh, I think you're right. I've sort of forgotten who was in that now. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, who is in that? Ace, certainly. Ace oh, Ian is there, of course. Ian. A couple of the modern companions are there? Or uh, Graham. Tegan, Graham's there, isn't Graham he? and Yaz. I think that might be it. I don't think Ryan's there. Maybe it's there. No, Ryan is conspicuous in his absence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ryan is too busy focusing on his Hollywood career at the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They couldn't even afford a cardboard cut out of him. His license is just too expensive. <laughs> that you see from behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the audience just goes, it doesn't work that way. The back of the cardboard cutout just looks like cardboard. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I think a, a positive feel about Mel then. This is this is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Same page. Same page. Ab- Good. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Okay. How about we get into the nitty gritty of this story? Because I've got questions about that as well. But I feel like I've been pinging you a lot. I feel like you need to pong me a little bit. I actually, I don't, I haven't really unpacked all this yet. I watched the last part mere hour or so before we sat down to record. And I don't know, like the whodunit nature of this is what drives the first few episodes. Yeah. And then you get the vervoid aspect. That's true. Yeah, not until end of part two, I think. And and then you get a hijack, which lasts two scenes. I don't know. I know. Yeah, but when that hijack happened, I, I was watching this in the kitchen. I, I watched part four just before we press record. I was watching it in the kitchen while I was cooking dinner. And when the hijack happened, I said out loud to myself, this was a great cereal. Now there's a hijack. Now it's a great cereal. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Such a good move, man. Well done, episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we are so different people. I was like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? No, this can just go back where it came from. <laughs> yeah, twist. Agatha Christie would be so aroused by this Doctor Who serial. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. But you are right. The Vervoids play a surprisingly small part in the serial, given that it is called Terror of the Vervoids. Yeah, they also like they they are pitched. I think is it clear from the start? Maybe not. I mean, given the title of the serial, and Doc says when he starts playing this as his evidence, 
that he was basically saving every human on earth like this is yeah this is the story of how he saved every human on earth sort of thing yeah so they're pitched as this threat to all of humanity because i mean at the end we're told like every leaf of a vervoid becomes a vervoid or something which i don't know i, I don't think plants work this way but anyway <laughs> i thought we could just kill they can them with like co2 some and yeah <laughs> like they don't come across as this oh my god yeah. they're gonna massively take over the planet with and there's no comeback whatsoever no resistance can be can be mounted it's like no you you destroy them all on yeah. a ship like a closed environment where you have limited resources there's no no other help and you quite happily got rid of them all <laughs> exactly yeah absolutely and i think there's an easy fix for that i think there's one tiny thing that just needs to be changed with the vervoid subplot or their threat in order to make that threat legitimate and that is what the botanists are hiding in their cabin. We get to see that, that lady who's gradually turning into a vervoid. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that is not what's happening with all the other people that they dispose of. I was no. absolutely convinced that, oh, they inject someone with a thing, with a dart or whatever, you know, a thorn, and now they're going to turn them in, into fellow vervoids. It's a very similar thing to the plants that we get to see in, oh, shit, bananas. What's the prequel to the Dalek Master Plan called? I'm going to do back one. Varga plants, sorry. It's called Mission to the Unknown. That's the, the story okay. I'm thinking of. So in that one, they have something called Varga plants, which are, they're just like lumbering plants, similar to these dudes. They have little thorns. If you get stung by one of them and their instinct, their plant instinct is to sting you, then you gradually turn into a Varga plant and grow thorns with which you want to sting other people. And that's right. what the lady in cabin number six or cabin number nine, by the way, put a pin in that, alludes to. That's what it seems is going to happen. But then every time they put a thorn in someone, it turns out all they do is kill them and turn them into compost. So what the shit man, obviously they're going to fail in the campaign against mankind. But if we change one thing, we get to see them, we get to see one of them at least, ejaculating white smoke out of his face urethra. <laughs> And <laughs> yes. the consequence is no one can enter that vicinity. Change that to we can't enter because if we inhale one single particle of it, we turn into one of them. Done. Yeah. That bring, bring in like spore aspect of it, I guess. Exactly. Because yeah. they talk about like there's a bit of pollen that got lodged in her thumb or something. And that yeah. was enough to turn her into a vervoid. So imagine if you inhale one of them or whatever. You're right. Yeah. Now I'm totally, totally scared by these creatures and i get how even just one at the r right time of year <laughs> would be enough to kill all of mankind easy I mean, yeah it, it helps a bit they just they become the dandelion of the mm. of the i don't know that's not a good analogy yeah, but anyway you know dandelions just get being... everywhere <laughs> yeah that's a threat i also don't like if doc <laughs> Well, we have to see, I guess, what the verdict is in this trial. Because Doc is putting this forward as the perfect evidence. is like, I saved human life yeah. on Earth because these vervoids would have just landed there and taken over everything. So I had to kill them all. I mean, A, Doc, you know about genocide, yeah? <laughs> I, I feel like... You know that that's a it's, law it's that you have as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's come up a few times in this televised serial of your life. I feel like you must yeah. be aware a little bit. But also, like... If this is what he thinks is okay to do, and they are time lords, like, he can always go and change. Like, 
this isn't a fixed point in time. This is none of this shit. He's he's allowed to go in and stop this. So surely he's allowed to go back in time and sort stuff out by like just blowing up the ship or whatever. I don't know. Because this is not a thing that's happening on Earth where people are being exposed immediately and you know, there's little ripples and all this kind of stuff. This is just one ship going through space. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It just seems it seems a very weird predicament and it's just I don't know. It was it was a very strange setup for for me to have this all just happening with like these five vervoids possibly oh they're God, multiplying yeah, on the ship maybe they're not i don't know it's just yeah, the threat how, wait, level how, was just are, not not clear at all are they multiplying or because in the beginning we just see the one obviously but maybe that's just the first one that hatches i mean there are definitely multiple the end, pods like six of them yeah oh, that, that there, is there, true, yeah there were a good at least four pods i would say maybe by the end they've gained a couple of vervoids that we didn't account for i don't know but there could so have just been pods we didn't see people into i don't well, know that, or they're I don't turning think people so. into what happens to the lady in cabin six or nine who is because they the lady? attack her or something they oh lasky but they no not lasky the let's be honest the total fox <laughs> who's turning into a plant the <laughs> the lady there's a woman in like in the, a chest She's hidden away, yes. chest kind of thing or something. In the is it called the interrogation room? No, what's it called? Some, something in the room. isolation room. Isolation room. That makes more sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and and she is gradually turning into a vervoid. That's what I'm talking about. But like, well, clearly this is something they can do. So why don't they do this all the time? They don't need compost. I just they don't need compost because what are they? Are they growing something in the hold? No, they're fucking dumb plants. <laughs> Turn each other into dandelions, and then you're... Oh, God, God damn it. Now I'm starting to dislike this episode. <laughs> but anyway, that woman in the isolation room, vervoids break into it, open that chest coffin whatever thing that she is in yeah and they touch her like they touch her similar to how they touch other people and yeah i mean they they touch other her. people they turn them in they they kill them so i wonder if are they touching her to accelerate the process for example because this well, I, process is happening i mean I, I mostly think this part of the episode was just forgotten about <laughs> and then they threw yeah, in a I, scene just to say Oh, and then the vervoids kill that half-plant yeah. <laughs> lady because we don't know what to do with her anymore. Okay, fine, move on. But uh, yeah, I also feel like, yeah, she just got killed. Like Everyone that the vervoids attack just get killed. There's no conversion. It's just they get killed. Yeah, that's Which a is, huge yeah, minus stupid. for me. That's a yeah. really big negative. Yeah, missed opportunity. Like We could have had yeah. some really gruesome... You, you probably wouldn't be able to show it, but like the idea that now there there are spores in all the bodies and yeah that pile of of human corpses is going to turn into like two billion vervoid plants or something i don't know and yeah, that exactly. i mean that no, sets the scale just so high that you're like oh fuck yes this is a danger because like if a billion of those just erupt from a few dead people then yeah they're going to take yeah. over the planet in no when time we see the pile of dead people which we see like there is a pile of dead people on tv in this family yeah. show pretty gruesome already we don't need to have them like split open like the thing we already have dead people there now literally just add a bud growing out of someone's lapel <laughs> or whatever, you know. A hand is green for some reason, or a hand is now a leaf rather than just a hand. Right, okay. There, there are vervoids growing in this pile of compost. Yeah. Mm. And it would have would have earned the the title of the serial a little bit more. I mean, I, I know this is a weird serial, not serial. It doesn't really yeah, have this exactly. name. It's just that, parts, what, yeah. 9 to 12 or something of Trial exactly. of the Time. We Lord. can't judge but, it based on the vervoid title, because that was post-hoc. 
Yeah, I mean, but it, it really should just be called, oh, that time on Hyperion 3 where loads of people died and this plant species went kaput. <laughs> yeah, uh, wait, call it Who? It, or Doctor Who done it? Oh, wait, did we already do this joke in the Agatha Christie episode? Like, wait, oh, I'm, I'm sure there's a good pun there. Anyway, yeah, just to <laughs> since we're dial back. Yeah, go for it. Sorry, just, just very quickly. I just, I wanted to, at this point, shout out how gorgeous, actually, the makeup was for that half plant lady who may or may not turn into a verboid. That was You're incredible. so right. The thing that she has, which is sort of a, what, what, what's it called? Like a vine almost, running down her yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. It's pulsating. There's, I'm assuming that they're pumping air through it or maybe water or something. It's pulsating. Hang on, what's it called? What's it called? Why can I not find this? No, <laughs> it's got the absolute worst Google search history. What's the little, like, little veiny, stringy thing? Like, on the, you know exactly what I'm talking I mean, about. I mean, the hand motions to describe this when you're talking about <laughs> veiny things is is quite something. I mean, we commented, I think, before we started recording how this should be a video podcast, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of yeah, glad okay. it's not. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna Google parts of a penis because that's much more respectable than what I was Googling a second ago. <laughs> yeah, a throbbing what, vein. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Like back of a penis. What can I? <laughs> oh my god, my my search history is the worst. Frenulum. That's the word I'm looking for. She's growing a frenulum on her face. There you go. It, totally worth the wait. You're saying this is this is what you call the back of a penis? Is it? <laughs> I have not heard this term. From my point of view, when I look down on my penis, it's at the back of it, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you look at your penis. To be honest, you know. <laughs> oh wow! I don't use like yep, an elaborate I... setup of mirrors or whatever. <laughs> I've ended up on a Wikipedia page, which is not pulling any punches. That is the thing you're talking about. <laughs> oh, dear. Leon has just spat out some cocktail. I've <laughs> <laughs> done a literal spit take of espresso martini all over the desk. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm just going to close that window. <laughs> Don't need to be seeing that person pinching that penis. Okay. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. If it's on the back of the penis, just leave it there. (laughs) Anyway, so you're absolutely right. That makeup is incredible. Oh, right. We're talking about makeup. Yes, okay. (laughs) It's such a... It's such a tiny role. I mean, it's it's someone who doesn't really have any lines aside from wailing in pain and, and terror. Yeah. But she must have gone through hours of makeup just for this to happen. And then hours of takes and retakes to just get the right shots. And it's so effective. It's really quite something. Harrowing. Yeah, it's really good. Do you think this is the kind of actor that is used to playing like monsters? Is normally in a costume fully concealed, and this is like the role of maybe. a lifetime because you get to see half my face. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so the thing I was going to say before was on the subject of, for example, this this woman turning into a vervoid. This is just one of several. I originally thought of them as missed opportunities, but actually, I think they're misdirects. This is a whodunit, after all, or at least it aspires to be a whodunit. And this, it is full of misdirects. It's great. I think you're being generous. I feel like there were just a lot of things that didn't work out very well. (laughs) 
Okay, here are a couple of things for you then, and let's let's okay. discuss. In the beginning, when Pussy Galore shows up, because, yeah, Honor Blackman is in this. Yeah. When she shows up, w- w- which is huge. I think this is the only other thing I've ever seen her in. <laughs> I've otherwise only ever seen her as Pussy Galore, and I've seen she, her as Pussy Galore a million times. She ended up in a, a sitcom called The Upper Hand, which never seen I it. Never heard of it. actually kind of no- weirdly know her most from. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Is it good? I mean... I mean, probably not. I just was young and stupid. It ran from 1990 to 96. So, yeah, good old while. Okay, right, right, right. Anyway, carry on. When she is first introduced in this serial, she has her key card, and we get the, I can read numbers if I want to, I'm clever enough, and then it turns out her key card is upside down, and we get the whole thing of, no, that's, you're in cabin six or nine, whichever one it is, and it's upside down, this is nine or six, whichever one it is. Yeah. I wrote that down as Chekhov's upside down cabin number. (laughs) never happens never happens one of many many things we get for goodness knows what reason one of the botanists takes out of the isolation room a a bunch of broken crockery yeah it's like broken plates and people go oh or, or someone goes oh again there's something really shifty going on in there which is super odd because like why are they breaking a bunch of plates we never revisit that but later on in the serial we get to see one of the um, I, I don't know what they're called half of the time i wrote meganians and half of the time i wrote vulgarians i don't know what it's something in between it's the, like megarian or something like that the masked dudes yeah at one point out of nowhere one of them just slaps a coffee pot or something out of the stewardess's hands and shatters and we never address that he just does it and i assumed ah this is a link back to the broken crockery he's the dude he's got something i don't know he breaks crockery this is it he's been in that room never happens you you have a way too inquisitive mind for your own good i was just like (laughs) okay so they've got something caught hold up in that room it's breaking crockery and i mean i still don't understand it because Every time we see the half half plant lady, she is being yeah. sedated. Like I guess they yeah. wake her up to feed her, maybe, and then yeah, what, she lashes plate. out and smashes a plate every time. <laughs> Why? Why not just like inject her with something? Give her an IV. Yeah, it's done exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they wake her she up. She's like, oh, I hate it. I'm fish. turning into a plant. Please kill me. And they're like, here, <laughs> open up. The airplane's coming in for a landing. <laughs> Are they are they trying to say no? Reject the plant way of life. Here, eat some meat. <laughs> <laughs> eat some plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that was um, that was weird. I, I definitely felt that this was intentional, though. I, I think that they were trying to plant little seeds, if you will, of uh-huh. something rather, you know, rather clever. I think you might be right. I just don't think it worked very well. <laughs> that but, is I mean, fair. <laughs> you have watched a lot of Poirot. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does this feel like the kind of thing you would expect in one of those episodes or is is this treated very differently? I mean, I'm I'm currently on a this entire year 
I've been on a massive mystery binge. I'm re-watching Poirot again. I read all the Ripley novels, the Patricia Highsmith novels. I just started reading, uh, what's it called? The first Donna Leon novel just the other day. Just finished Arsène Lupin short stories and raffles. Amateur cracksman. I saw Knives Out at the start of this week. The new one, sorry, the Glass Onion. Recently went to a drag show, a Dragatha Christie murder mystery, the second oh, one I've seen of wow. those this year. I'm only saying this because I'm super biased right now because I'm so in the mindset of appreciating mysteries and whodunits. And this one really, really tries to be one. And I think it does a it does a pretty decent job of it, except it succeeds at everything except at being a mystery. Because <laughs> at the end, it turns out wasn't a mystery. And the way to solve it is by just doing something inane and sci-fi or action-y, you know? And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think, I mean, this thing I get with a lot of whodunits, like, I've not watched a lot of the the stuff that you've referenced or read any of the things that you've referenced. So I don't know how common it is that the audience is meant to be able to piece things together. But my experience of these types of mysteries is they're always badly done and there's no way you could piece it together because they don't give you the information. And so I was gonna say, all of this kind of the misdirection, flaw, isn't it? It, yeah, all of this misdirection is useless because it's just, well, you showed me a thing that was irrelevant. I don't care. You showed me another thing that was yeah, irrelevant. Thing. I don't care. You didn't show me the thing that I could have used to piece this together. Like, exactly. It, Exactly, yeah. exactly. You just said it so much more eloquently than, than I did. So they succeed at the misdirects, but they fail at the clues. The only thing I took, actually, at one point, because I didn't get any of the connections you, you were alluding to earlier. I think I when when we had the six or nine room thing, it just seemed like this was setting up a character that was quite rude to the staff sort of thing. And Oh, I know, see. always assumed she was right and you know it was her mistake but wasn't accepting it sort of thing yeah and i explained the plain smashing thing i just assumed there was a monster in there sort of thing but the the one that sent me down a path of like oh are they trying to do something now was when the megarians get killed by water thrown in their face and what? they <laughs> they say because we because we don't see the attacker obviously but they say to the attacker we don't need refreshments don't... right now exactly i know so so i was thinking oh are they trying to set up the stewardess as the killer because I she's the exact same thing yeah and and we'd had lots of things mentioned i think it came from mel mel originally and then doc kind of jumped on it a little bit where he was he was thinking Lasky might be the killer. But Mel had basically said, don't be sexist. You know, women could be killers too. And, you know, exactly. it could be Lasky or the stewardess. And yeah. so we, we had had it dropped in. And I did, I picked up on that. that that's about the only thing I picked up on is just like, they could be saying. But then again, it was just like, at the same time, I'm writing down notes like, well, is it meant to be the stewardess? I didn't write the note, but I'm thinking, why? In fact, no, I did. Wait, I tell a lie. I'm like, let's see what my note said. Hang on. So the stewardess is the killer? Question mark. Why? <laughs> How? What? <laughs> because it's a clue that doesn't, like, I don't know. It just, yeah. Weird, not yeah, making I, sense clues without anything attached to them. Or, or, or yeah, red herrings in this you. case. Totally agree with you. I, I didn't, I just changed my notes. I didn't write this down, but I, at the time, remember thinking, yeah, it's obviously the stewardess. That's that one clue that they thought they could sneak past us. But the thing is, I don't think that they snuck any clues past us. They no. only put things there that point you in a different direction. And when the spoilers, the security chief who we get it you're about to retire 
when he finally does go, sod it, now it's a hijacking because I'm in league with the Bulgarians. Why? <laughs> what? He's only the, him... the turncoat. I don't he... think he had a relationship with the botanist no, guy. Sorry, oh, sorry. No, it's the other botanist. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're absolutely right. But yeah, and there's nothing, nothing pointing to him either. It's just Doc and that botanist are in a room. And then we just find out, oh, Doc knew that he was the bad guy all along. But why? But yeah, I don't know. That's the, that's really something that's missing. The, what, the main thing that's missing here is that one wonderful scene in not every, but most whodunits when the detective, who in this case would be Doc, sits everyone who's still alive down in a room and just parades the evidence past them and then goes, and that's why XYZ is the solution. Yeah. We never get that. We don't. We just Missed get a... We get a, ah, oh, well, it must be Lasky. Why didn't you help me look? Ah, oh, Doctor, I fool, fooled you. It's actually me. Oh, no, you didn't fool me. I knew all along. Not going to explain why, how. No, no that would no. be far too Absolutely interesting. Yeah. The other thing with this, which I haven't really thought of whilst I was watching this, but Mm -hmm. we get multiple points in the trial, possibly only two actually, but enough to say again that the Matrix has been tampered with. Like Doc says he's watched this, like he had to watch this because he hasn't experienced it yet. So it's not his memory that he's relying on. He's relying on the fact that, well, I mean, it is his memory, but you know, he's just watched this recording for one of a better term yeah and then playing it back in the trial a couple of points he kind of stands up and says wait that's not what happened i didn't smash up the comms room for example i i just watched this but he never a a, this is what really pissed me off actually he never explains what he did see (laughs) that's true he just (laughs) sits back down and goes okay but also because we know this stuff has been manipulated like we we always have this thing of like questionable narrator type syndrome thing and it's but it's it's never brought up and maybe it will come to some kind of fruition in the final part i'm guessing not though i'm guessing we'll just get told that let's let's assume the valiard is for some reason trying to frame the doctor and has manipulated all this stuff and it's it's only the bits that the doc screams foul at those are the only things that have changed everything else was presented as as normal but we the viewer at this point don't know that like how are we meant to trust anything we're presented because we know it's being manipulated yeah we know it's being manipulated we know doc doesn't even trust it i'm really hoping for some sort of plot twist and that you already know the answer to this i'm sure but i'm hoping for some sort of plot twist revealing that the valiard is actually a really by the book good guy <laughs> and it's someone completely different manipulating the evidence <laughs> but something tells me that's not the case and it's actually the valiard who's the bad guy because even in this one the valiard who if he is the bad guy and he manipulated the evidence he's the one who changed the footage to show doc being the one who smashes up the radio he then says why don't we just watch until the end and see how the whole thing pans out so like yeah, yeah i get it because you've already seen the ending and you know that you then can make the genocide argument and you would only know that if you were the bad guy, because otherwise, why would you have seen this? So, but th- th- this is the frustrating thing. It's like, a there is there is a point. Is and it, 
I wrote a note towards the end. So yeah, we get a back at the trial interruption where Doc says, look, 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 the Commodore is explicitly asking me for help. Like I'm not just wading in without, you know, thought for anyone else. He's, he's asking me for help. Like that should be like end of evidence. Like you see all this stuff. And then I thought about that as well. Then, but then, I, then Earth doesn't get destroyed. Obviously, the the Vervoids don't take over Earth, so you know that Doc stopped them, and he did it on behalf of the Commodore's request. You know. Yeah, that's true. I I thought that as well at a at one point, and then I realized no, actually, what the Time Lords are getting at is yes. You didn't deliberately meddle, you were asked to meddle, but in responding to that call, your chosen action should have been to find a solution that just, that leaves both civilizations intact. Like, it doesn't count if you save one civilization if you have to sacrifice another in order to do it. So you would have to, I don't know, at least keep a little bit of pollen and just plant it on some other planet, or, you know, stick them on a moon somewhere or whatever, and then that's that's fine. But that's kind of my point, is that Doc doesn't seem to contest the rest of that. Doc, Doc is saying, yes, I killed all the vervoids. Not a single one yeah. was allowed to, to remain because a single one could spark a mass population or something, you know, is, is his explanation. Yeah. So in displaying his evidence for his defense, why doesn't he stop it there? Why does he show the full picture that says, yes, I killed all the vervoids? <laughs> That yeah, that's true. But and, hmm. and then the, the the thing that goes with that is why are you showing this as evidence that you you're not a dick, dog? You just killed an entire race of people. Even by your rules, that's bad. And you're giving yeah, it that's... to the Valyard that tells you like wants to kill you for basically meddling in all this stuff. And yeah, killing an entire species is yeah, I think yeah, meddling doesn't bad. maybe quite go far enough to describe that. Mm, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Okay, so two two thoughts on this. One is any time lord could theoretically go, yeah, so uh, the thing is, I wasn't trying to meddle, but I went to Germany. It was 1930 late, and this chap named Adolf asked me to help him, so I did it. And then, then that, or you know, anyone who is bad, anyone who has done something horrible in history, asks yeah. a Time Lord to meddle on their behalf. They do so, and then they go away scot-free, because it wasn't their initiative. So that's not a reasonable enough argument. Here's another weird thing. Why is there an end to this recording? Like, do do well, you view yeah. your life as episodes <laughs> and serials? No. This hey, is speak just- for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it really weird that we go, you know, all right, fine, you win this argument, Doctor, but why don't we keep playing this memory until the next ad break and see what happens? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. He continues to live. It's not like that's the end of it. They go into the TARDIS and then the recording should just continue with the song that he's singing in the TARDIS as they go to the next adventure. So it's like it, there isn't a natural cutoff point at any point. That's just his life. (laughs) It shouldn't be divided into stories. So, damn it, The Matrix makes no sense. Also, how, what the fuck is The Matrix? How does it know what he does and says or will do and will say in the future? And what other people will do and say? No, this this was a new new thing they threw in for this serial that Season. I am not happy with. I, I I was willing to bend it a bit for the previous stuff where it's... And even that doesn't make sense. But 
yeah. okay, they they can extrapolate stuff from people's minds, maybe. And I don't, they they did a hand wave about how they knew about all the stuff where Doc wasn't present. I can't remember what that, it was. Like people in the vicinity of the TARDIS, basically, they could get recordings or you know enough information to present yeah. that stuff. Yeah, and it's like fine, okay, whatever. A TARDIS is yeah. a massive recording device. Yeah, okay, but of the future stuff. So you can just you can literally just go into the matrix. You don't need to have a TARDIS. You just go into a matrix and you see anything and any when. Any what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> From a neat camera angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can you can choose uh, who to follow around and you know which POV to get flip to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, another question about the Matrix. The Valiard and the Inquisitor accused Doc of having tampered with the Matrix and having, you know, withheld information. But didn't they say before that it was impossible to tamper with the Matrix? Isn't that even their argument in this serial? I think they, they do. Which, but wait, at what point did they accuse the Doc of tampering? I must have missed that. Hang on, I'm going to find the transcripts. At one point, the Valiard says, the idea that the Matrix could lie, no, it is we who are being manipulated. So Valiard clearly saying, impossible to change what's in the Matrix. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait, I think I found, I found it. It's when they weren't sure how Doc knew that the Megarian wasn't a Megarian when he gets killed. And the Valiard says, yes, how did you know? Have you been editing the Matrix and denying the court all the go. evidence yes, to which it you. is entitled? There you go. Perfect. Thank you very much for finding that. Yeah. So how can you make that accusation if at the same time you are <laughs> supposing that it is impossible to man- manipulate the Matrix, that it is impervious to any kind of outside influence? This, oh God, this is so dumb on multiple levels. <laughs> Because A, yes, why would they be saying you can tamper with the Matrix because they're, they're saying you can't tamper with the Matrix? But also, they know the Doctor has already watched this. He's, he's seen this information. Yeah. So yeah. why the fuck are they surprised he knows? And then he's being, the Doc's all smug, like, oh, but oh you could God, know too. Great all the information's there. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's like literally just them trying to do the, the whodunit thing of like the police inspector going, ah, I've worked out who the killer is. Haven't you followed the clues yet? And this one, this one actually I did get. Doc's smugness is misplaced because it was very obvious that that, what do they call it, a trans- translator doesn't turn on. I just thought it was the production team that fucked up. I didn't realize it was part of the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Very astute. I had not even picked up on it (laughs) until the next time when they replayed it. It was like, oh, God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Well done. And so, yeah, a perfectly plausible theory. There is absolutely no reason the Valiard and, and the Inquisitor, the Inquisitor agrees with the Valiard at this point. It's like, that would be yeah. a serious offense if Doc had manipulated the Matrix. Like, they shouldn't yeah. be entertaining that thought at all. They shouldn't be surprised that Doc knows what's happened here. They shouldn't be surprised exactly. that past Doc knows either. I mean, the guy's obviously smart. I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> the whole thing is yeah. just, ugh. I agree. I completely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Would you like to hear some more questions? Yes. This is a bit of a silly one to maybe start us off then. But do you remember that there was a chap named Edward who is... I I take back what I said before. Edward definitely spearheads the bad acting contingent. This is the chap who in... uh, It's the... This is the cliffhanger of part one. 
he and Mel are walking towards the where the verboids are. Oh yeah. So yeah. we know that one of them has already woken up, and he's like, "No, why don't you just stand over there? We wouldn't want you to ruin anything with your lady hands." And then he walks <laughs> towards the gate, and he is electrocuted. Yes. Why? Fuck knows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that sabotage? Has someone... Is the killer... Is that botanist striking again? Has he put some... Like, is he running a current through the fence or something? At that point, I'm not quite sure what was going on. I can't... Like, I think there was a lot of things happening where you see someone sneaking around. We saw those seeds going missing at one point, and mm. that, that didn't really matter, did it? I can't remember. No, I feel like that's another misdirect. The, yeah. the seeds that they are, they're silver, they look valuable or possibly dangerous, and then Doc just snacks on them. <laughs> like, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Means um, nothing. <laughs> I think they, maybe they show one of the botanist characters, like, securing the place. Maybe we even see them turning on a fence, because they... They are okay. protective of this area. There's, you know, they don't want people around there. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Okay. Why don't Why don't you uh, start us off with a question then? <laughs> I'm passing the buck. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't have a lot left. I think I just have a, more annoying things. <laughs> oh, that's it. Like, because we get this start. There's this old guy who ends up getting killed who recognizes yep. this other guy who ends up getting killed, but this other guy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. like, yeah, 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 let's hear it. He's some undercover agent yeah. from yes. some organization. I can't remember if we're told the name of, but like he belongs to the same organization that the Commodore is part of, who's running this ship. And and yeah, anyway, what yeah. kind of outside of James Bond, what kind of like undercover agent can be recognized by some old dude on a space line <laughs> a cruise ship? I mean, <laughs> Wait, the fuck? He's just like he's been a he's just been a but you know he's a buddy of the of his they they've worked together at some point it, he is I feel like find number one of rule of, of of like being friends with an undercover agent is don't use their real name don't. when you see them in public <laughs> <laughs> Dave Dave uh, oh oh sorry Bob wait no um, I don't know you oh sorry okay. <laughs> Such a good point. That guy was really quite senior, though. So maybe he was just having a moment. <laughs> maybe he <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Are you on a cruise? I, I thought you were a detective. <laughs> Are you on holiday? <laughs> oh, is this a mission? I'll keep quiet. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I don't know. You're so right. That is a, an incredibly good point. Okay, another question about that detective, though. So that guy, he was working the case... First off, in brackets, what is the case he's working? Yeah. He feels like he's being trailed. So he kills off his alibi, his alias. Sorry, he kills his alias and then disguises himself as a Meganian. But doesn't, like, there's a very finite amount of Meganians on board. Did he just grab one, kill it, hollow out his shell, <laughs> sneak into it? Or, it, like, how how can he get away with that second alias? Well, this was what I was just asking myself, actually, is I think I had assumed... I mean, I think it's presented that he kills 
someone to p- take their place, like the, the McGarrion. Really? But actually, in hindsight, is this botanist dude... I mean, this is how much this serial bothers me. I can't remember the name of any of the botanists. They're just botanists. <laughs> and there's only three of them. Yeah. Las- yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, Lasky, Lasky, I can remember. Lasky is the only one I know. Yeah. yeah. The other two guys. Jesus. Yeah. Blah. But yeah, the, the, main, the killer has a lot of incentive, it seems, to kill people who might be interfering with the plan to get the vervoids yeah. to Earth. And there is that scene, which we are discounting as a bit of a red herring, of the silver seas going missing. And they they get stolen by one of the Megarians. So maybe, actually, botanist guy had an incentive to kill the Megarian. But then, how does what's-his-chops undercover guy dress up as a Megarian if he doesn't do the killing? Yeah, yeah. so does the other guy kill the Vulgarian, put his dead body still in the suit somewhere, the detective guy stumbles upon it, goes, excellent, I'm going to use this, dumps the carcass outside, uses the outfit, walks around, fits like a glove, by the way, no problem. (laughs) Yeah. It's just the right height as well, so the other Megarians aren't aren't confused, yeah. That's right, Um, they're just like, oh, Fred's really quiet. (laughs) Why why isn't Fred responding to anything and he keeps speaking in english this is really weird fred yeah he, he, your translator he only uses his translator with us weird <laughs> but yeah i but i don't think either of those scenarios make sense i mean i don't think it makes sense without more backstory to believe an undercover agent is just going around killing people because he might be uncovered yeah and it doesn't yeah. make sense that the killer killed a megarian and then the undercover agent stumbled across it and stole the suit and blah blah blah, blah. you know it just yeah, doesn't make sense exactly <laughs> So I was trying to look up the name of this agency. I, I I couldn't I couldn't find it. I can't remember it. It's really it's annoying me right now. It'll come to me later on. I'll probably futurely on it. I'll futurely on it here. Bing bong, the Pinkerton Agency. Bing bong. That's right, that agency. <laughs> In Murder on the Orient Express, Poirot encounters one one person who is undercover as a... Sorry, spoilers for Murder on the Orient Express. Written quite a while ago. Who <laughs> is, is actually an agent. He's a detective with this agency. Shortly before, I believe, shortly before we encounter the... What they call the Vulgarians, Pussy Galore is sitting in the, like, the living room area of the luxury cruiser and she is oh, yeah. reading murder on the orient express oh seriously i missed that. yeah <laughs> so she's reading that it, it must be like murder on the orient express published for the elderly because it must have like the biggest lettering it's like 10 times <laughs> thicker than murder on the orient express is but she's reading that and I'm pretty sure, maybe I'm getting the timing wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is shortly before we get to see the Bulgarians. And then it turns out one of them is that secret agent or like police detective, whatever. So I I feel like they know what they're doing when they're writing this. I feel like they're like picking a couple of elements here and there. They're they're not doing the best job of weaving everything together, but they're really trying. And I super duper respect that. (laughs) A star for effort. Maybe absolutely <laughs> F execution. No, that's a bit mean. Okay, pong me, dude. Pong me. Maybe some comments about production. Like, sure. I think mostly pretty good. I think the only thing that bothered me yeah. was that that one corridor. Like this, this is a space liner. Like this is the space equivalent of a cruise ship. Is, is the impression I get. Mm-hmm. And mm. I'm happy to ignore that we only see a few different rooms. Like we get this leisure lounge there's just one leisure lounge there's the tiny gym scale is a bit weird it's so great yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> but then we get this this one corridor with the little like kink in it where everything happens. It's where the isolation room is. It's where the notable characters' cabins are. Yep. At one point, yep. I think three people cross paths in this one corridor and it's just like yep no that doesn't sound no. like doctor who reusing a corridor set no that's totally <laughs> out of character yeah i know exactly what you mean that's great there's also a fire alarm in that corridor one of my yeah, favorite yeah. scenes by the way ever doc does not need to start the fire alarm but does anyway even though he could just like pick up a mask off the wall and walk into the room it's like done <laughs> But <laughs> it's just distract the guard, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just let the guard walk past. Like just like wait thirty seconds, Doc. You miserable prick. Like just, you can. <laughs> eat. They're going. Like, oh, where are we going to find a, a, a face mask? There are face masks hanging on the wall beside you. Anyway, I feel like I've wait, wait. No, I'm going to defend this because I okay, think they actually see. they set up earlier that that guard is not allowed to leave his post because killer botanist oh. guy. Choose him out because he goes to investigate a noise at a grate, and he's like, "Why aren't you stood outside the isolation room? Like, you need to be there all the time." Whatever. So oh, I see. Okay. They want to go into yep, the isolation room. They have to get rid of that guard. Fire Dude, alarm. I stand is. corrected. This is an even yeah. better episode than I realized it was. This is awesome. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I think since you brought up production value, I think production value is actually pretty great in parts. The costumes, for a start, are tremendous. The vervoids look <laughs> so sexy. The <laughs> Ganyans, the Bulgarians, whatever they're called, they they have such a good outfit. Like, it is a ridiculously good outfit. It's meant to be somehow airtight, yeah. but if you pour water on them, then they die. <laughs> and also, it's airtight, That's a but very good one point. of them drinks with a straw. <laughs> like, just like, puts a straw through his mask. Like, what? <laughs> That's the, de- they, the, the detective. Like, they oh, have, <laughs> have an air filter which gets rid of the oxygen in the air? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so what? You just put a straw through that? No, you don't. That's that's crazy bananas. <laughs> I mean, basically, they should not be on this, this cruise liner. They should take a different cruise. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> then we get to see them without the mask. They're golden underneath, and their mouth yeah. is the shape of the masks outsides. Awesome. So clever. I love the lance that Doc uses to cut through a wall, and the... Oh, dude! Holy smokes! Bury the leads! The freaking... The bridge. The bridge of this Starliner with the green-screened windshield <laughs> that has the... Like, it's a smart screen. Is that not amazing? The, where they're showing almost like radar-esque stuff, yeah. and like panning yeah. around yeah that's cool absolutely that's so cool which when they can do that and it looks really nice why can't they yeah. have anyone stand in front of a window to space and it not look like the shittiest green screen effect ever <laughs> yeah they haven't figured out rotoscoping or color correction just yet but it's coming <laughs> it's getting that <there. laughs> and i'm okay with that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rate this down for that quite the opposite i'm gonna rate it up for all of that that's great all right Tell you what, I can segue to possibly my final point. And if you want to add a final okay. point after that, feel free. But I can I can segue straight from that to something else that we see through the windshield, which is a whole other subplot. The black hole. Oh, yeah. There's a black hole <laughs> right next to them. For some reason, they're just like going past it. Yeah. And then we have this whole subplot where the bad guy, Bruck, Bruckner, Bruckner, whatever his name is, Bruckner, he tries to steer the liner into the black hole. The black hole of Tartarus. 
I need to look I mean, up what Tartarus is. I think I have to correct you on he's the bad guy because he's sort of the good guy in this because he's doing oh, what, no, you're right. what Doc's trying to do just in a more direct way. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> With more you're casualties. Totally right. I'm yeah. just being, yeah, I'm just being a racist here. Like all botanists look the same to me. Tartarus, the infernal regions of ancient Greek mythology. Uh, uh, I've just, I've just Googled it. That's what Encyclopedia Britannica says. Yeah. So he tries to steer the ship into the black hole. Then at the end, the two Meganians just walk in and go, no, actually, we're going to turn right over here. It's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a good thing that black holes aren't famous for their gravitational pull. So the <laughs> ship just like, yeah, goes away. No problem. But yeah. how cool is it that there's a black hole? How, how cool is it that we get to see those effects? Isn't that fucking mind-blowingly great to me? <laughs> I, I was not blown <laughs> In my mind, I have I'm so to sorry say, to hear that. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a kind of nice effect. I think it was just every time this black hole bit came up, it was just one, one thing too many amongst the many things that they were trying to make happen at the same time. So, yeah, like when I mean, that is a fair point. Yeah, when this becomes the the cliffhanger of episode three, it is the yeah, Bruckner's steering the ship into the black hole. It's like, oh, okay, well, this is happening now. Then fine, whatever. And then yeah, the Megarians, well, the the penis plant the vervoid <laughs> shoots yeah shoots steam all through the the room so Brutner gets killed and then no one could go in the room and that's why the megarians go in and yeah they just turn a bit to the right it's like fine yeah. okay whatever <laughs> it's a shame that you can't just like turn to the right from anywhere else in the ship <laughs> the, yeah and it's it's a shame that the ship doesn't have you know autopilot features that you know there's there's no onboard computer that goes you're going straight into a black hole right now buddy yeah or uh, yeah. an entire like engineering crew, like Star Trek style, that would be like the captain would be screaming at, at them to do something with the engines. Like you don't have to just do that from the bridge. Yeah. In fact, don't we get the captain at one point saying, "I'm not even needed on the bridge because everything is automated." Sort of. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's yeah. more just so, like this is how safe it is. is. I don't need about? to be there. <laughs> I think it was more that there were some people left on the bridge who could deal with it, and he didn't need to be there. It wasn't... Oh, like, I, see. I see. They were going a little bit close to the black hole, but it's not to worry. He's not even worried. He's not on the bridge. You know, it was a bit of bravado. <laughs> right, yeah, gotcha. Yep, yep, yep. That makes perfect sense. Before we go into ratings, just one final note about positive production values, because I think I think you're right. There are some nice things in this. and We, we haven't mentioned it already, but I quite enjoyed the way that the Vervoids wilted and went brown as if it was then turning to autumn you know yeah. and this kind of thing yeah. not turning to autumn that's a stupid way of saying that you know what i mean <laughs> i i know exactly what you mean and i'm totally on board yeah i thought that was that was i mean not perfect but i thought that was a nice little nice little touch for a plant species to effectively fast track the decomposition and you see them wilting and turning into dried up leaves effectively yeah it's the vervoid equivalent of that stock footage of the fox carcass decomposing it's yeah also pretty cool because they have two modes of doing it one is the they are wearing green outfits and then we pan away and the next time we cut to that 
clip or to those people, they're just brown. Like they are now wearing yeah. brown leaves. But there's one, I think the final vervoid to, to Wilt is standing up and gradually sort of lies down on the floor. And as it does so, it starts to actually turn reddish brown. And I think that's them changing the color composition in like possibly in camera or maybe in post or whatever. But it, we're watching just footage yeah. and it's, they are changing the color blend. Whatever, I'm not using the right terminology. But yeah, which I thought was, that is freaking really impressive i'm i'm so pleased to be gazing through a lens into 1986 when the bbc is experimenting with this sort of stuff it's very cool mm, yeah nice nicely done well on that yeah, as a positive note mm-hmm. shall we see if we have entirely positive thoughts in our ratings Ooh, uh, let's try that <laughs> i don't know what that was so sorry i'll press stop and now it is time to rate this did we laugh or hate this bing bong bing bong hey la 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 ratings yes so i technically lost the finger onto the nose game because leon was very generously doing slow-mo version maybe i put yeah. my finger <laughs> on my nose quicker than he did on his but who cares i'm going first Right. All right. What did I think? Hmm. I thought Mel was surprisingly enjoyable, if a little annoying, and strangely obsessed with exercise. I hope that doesn't last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doc. Funny. Doc is mostly okay in this. I think the weird thing is, though, that this usual aspect where Doc knows more than you know we know, and it isn't giving us all the information, all this kind of stuff. I normally enjoy all that, but in this who done it setup where we're going to be allowed to work things out, I don't know. It just didn't feel the same. It didn't land the same when Doc presents the knowledge that he knew who the killer was. I didn't believe like he had enough information. I don't know. It just felt felt weird. It didn't feel like the Doctor being good. It felt like just a bad episode and. I think it's maybe just part of the same thing with all these red herrings, all these misdirections. When I was watching it, they felt more like mistakes. Like it felt like bad script writing where things just aren't completed. They're not, you know, given their fullest attention, all this kind of stuff. And it kind of made me want to not care about stuff as well. It's like, how many times do you watch something and it's just, well, they've just thrown that away. This this random thing of plates, plates being broken and it turns out there's a plant lady and now nothing is happening with this. No one gives a shit. There was a plant lady. Like, <laughs> like why should I care about anything if it's all just meaningless, basically, is the feeling sure. I had. Building, I think, not not too consciously while I was watching it, but definitely afterwards, I'm very conscious of that. On the other hand, the vervoids, friggin' gorgeous, uh, if not slightly questionable in their design, but I think that is a very unique alien design. It's very well done, especially when we see it wilting and turning all autumnally brown at the end. That's really good. Mm-hmm. The sets also were really nice. You know, we talked about the bridge being pretty good. The hydroponics room as well was pretty cool, especially Amazing. all the yeah. giant pods we see in there. We see them closed up at one point and then they're all like open because the vervoids have escaped and, you know, both styles of that were well done and yeah, no mean feat. I think ultimately, though, there are sort of two two big problems that really feel too much for me to let go of in this serial and why I'm not going to rate it that highly. So one is this is a poor attempt at whodunit. So we don't have those breadcrumbs to work out who the killer is for ourselves. And we don't, like you said, Mr. Leon, we don't get the nice summing up moment, which the Doctor is very well placed to do and does in lots of serials that aren't necessarily whodunits. We get a lot of summing up of events or explanation of stuff at the end that, you know, the Doctor relishes in that kind of thing. And it's just totally absence. 
absent from this and you feel it because it is a whodunit even more and on top of that like this is in the context of the trial and this is this is the worst piece of evidence doc could probably conjure up for his defense (laughs) it just leaves me infuriated about everything in this trial up to now like we can't trust this matrix evidence because we're told multiple times that Doc thinks it's been tampered with, so why should I care about these stories I'm being shown? The Matrix can magically show stuff from the future now, and it's conveniently when he's got a new companion, and it's just like, well, fine, do whatever the fuck you want then, I don't care. Doc's defense includes him committing genocide on the Verboys. I mean, the fuck, Doc? Can you (laughs) maybe grow some more brain cells and pick a different thing, maybe from your past that you remember where you did good stuff and i don't know and then yeah so ultimately this is this is the step before the summing up of of whatever is going to happen in this trial i know there's just one part left and my god it's got a lot of work to do to make me (laughs) come round to any of these ideas i don't yeah and salvage the mess that has been made up to now Okay, okay. Those those are some very harsh words. I I think it's I'm I'm being too emotional in this review. It's not as bad as that. I did kind of enjoy watching this. It was just a bit mediocre and yeah, a little bit subpar. So, I'm going to go and give this 2.2 out of 5. 2.2 you say? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm really sorry, Jim. That's a great mini. That's a fantastic review, but you are not my friend who agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I was not surprised. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. You know, here's the thing. I love a good who done it and <laughs> you're right. This isn't it. <laughs> but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and certainly as someone with similar aspirations, it tries to be and I greatly appreciate that. Doc is such a good sleuth-ish character. It's only a shame that he doesn't let us into his, you know, the the inner sanctum of his little gray cells. We never get to follow along the little parts of clues that he's on. He's fun though and he's clever and he's charming and he is an excellent companion to uh, his companion. Speaking of his companion, Mel, where the F did she come from? I'm not sure I'm on board with that. (laughs) I don't know. Do I care? Kind of. Point is, I like her, but I'm not quite ready to commit. I don't want to take this to a dark place, but I feel like the BBC sort of came home from work, found that they'd killed the last companion, flushed it down the toilet, and then went to the companion store to buy a new one that looked vaguely like the last one before they picked me up from school. That's not cool, BBC. However, (laughs) Mel is, and I gotta say, she's great. You mentioned her obsession with exercise. Size, I thought it was a missed opportunity. Like, I feel like they could have done more with that, given that there is a fucking gym in this serial. Instead, they just send her there to scout it. But she doesn't really, like, her obsession with fitness and exercise or whatever doesn't save the day or the scene. They also mention that she has perfect recall on a number of occasions, which I'm assuming mm. is going to factor in in the future. But it doesn't in this one. It's an, And it's a very odd thing to set it up so blatantly and then not have her recall a very important clue in a fucking whodunit. Anyway, the bad guys are so numerous, I don't even know where to start. So I'll just say the answer. Ancillary characters are GDFing immense. AF. 
Pussy Galore, Dave or Ed or whatever the botanist. Great. He'll be able to afford acting classes after this stint. Good on him. The security <laughs> chief. OMG, we get it. You're a retiring guy. He couldn't stop saying that every two minutes for at least an episode and a half. I definitely, I like, I absolutely definitely for shizzle thought that he's either going to die horribly or we end the serial with him making it out alive and then ending up on, you know, taking a cruise trip as a pensioner, which would have been hilarious, Lloyd. By the way, how high is the retirement age in the future? That guy is like 95. <laughs> anyway, Hush. the dickheads by which I mean the vervoids, such a cheesy, amazing bunch. If I weren't afraid of their stingers and if I weren't spoken for, I would a million percent see if they were up for some experimentation. Such a cool concept with so many missed opportunities, though. Massive pity. The vulgarians and their awesome suits. Wait, I, up. I, yeah? I don't like Sorry. interrupting your, your review, but Please, <laughs> missed opportunities in, in a late night version of Doctor Who or in other things? <laughs> Welcome to an episode of Who Back When? Nights. <laughs> we discuss missed opportunities. You know what? I'm going to leave you to percolate on that. There are a lot of missed opportunities with the vervoids, aka the dickheads. I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on there. Either the audience can participate or maybe the vervoids can develop in a direction. I personally, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of thinking about the development of them as a species. And we already covered that ground very meticulously in the beginning with like, yeah, yeah. what's the threat of the vervoids? I don't get it. This serial hasn't figured it out. The Meganians. I love the look and feel of the Meganians. That suit looks spectacular. Uh, but then, and this isn't really their fault, but what, in the future they have holographic technology, but the Vulgarians still use it to just play space invaders? What? And <laughs> there's a whole backstory there that we don't explore properly. It's like they're enslaved, but why, where, and how, for how long? M most importantly, what? Tell me more, Pip and Jane Baker. Don't just hint at it. At the very least, let's revisit them in the future, and I'm certain we don't. Production value, through the roof. We already covered that. Greatest asset, who done it? No, it's Seriously, who done it? I don't know. Biggest flaw, the acting in parts one and two. Main takeaway, this is like a shit Robots of Death meets Seeds of Doom. And the combo there really tickles my So I'm giving this a rating of 3.8. Okay, yeah, that's not... <laughs> It's not stupidly high. That's, yeah, okay. That's nice. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> Can I just say, I was on 4.0 before you started talking, and then made oh, wow. your review, I was like, oh, no, no, you're right. <laughs> I'll fix that. I actually started on a 2.8, and then I had to... <laughs> Talk yourself yeah. down? Yeah, Dude, massively. You listen to yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, possibly not. <laughs> well, that's what we thought. Mm. How about we see what people out there in podcast man have to say about this oh please let's this is now let's hear from podcast land max 250 or it would get out of hand oi oi you lucky people here you are again <laughs> at this wonderful spot we call listener minis we have got <laughs> we got nine of them i believe today what the three? shit one two three four five six seven eight nine that's how the numbers work yes well done for counting. Just checking. Just checking. Yep. And yeah, three we will read out in their full splendor. Oh, mm. so shiny and fresh and oh, they're just <laughs> going to reverberate everywhere. And the other ones, we're just going to tell you the score they gave and where you can hear more. All yeah. of them will be up on the website so you can read all the details there if you so please. First up, who have we got, Mr. Leon? Oh, it's GP. Hello, GP. Hello, GP. Oh, so G, you say P, G. P. G. P. Yeah, that's right. 
possibly the weirdest one you came up with, but I love it. Anyway. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where it came from, but I love it. <laughs> I know. Hey, GP. Hey, GP. <laughs> GP starts. This is not too bad. Perhaps the best serial of the Trial of the Time Lord saga. Overall, Boom. a terrific production, even if those plant costumes have a lot to be desired. What? I will not hear it. <laughs> I love the sets on this one, and I thought it did a great job of conveying the space and size of a future cruise liner. As nice. per usual, though, I found the court scenes quite boring and not always necessary. However, they were less intrusive in this serial than the previous two. The cast did a pretty good job, and Bonnie Langford did a great job on her first outing as companion Mel. Colin Baker gives his usual solid performance, and Michael Craig as the Commodore lends some gravity to an otherwise silly script. The little bits of humour inserted in places, I do think fall somewhat flat. Again, which is a shame. If it wasn't for the sets, costumes, go Mogarians, and said cast, I think this could have been a really stupid story. As it were, they lifted this to an above-average serial, and the best for a few. I do feel somewhat saddened, though, that Mr. Baker's role is coming to a rapid end, and like his predecessor, his role is remembered as less than satisfying and disappointing. And GP gives this a rating of... Oof, maloof. 2.9 Mulgarian translator units. Oh. Perhaps the best of the Trial of a Time Lord saga with a 2.9. That is saying a lot, (laughs) GP. Wow. Wow, yeah. Yeah. No, good stuff, though. Thank you very much. Very good stuff. People who are not GP should absolutely follow GP online. Where can they find him, Jim? Why? GP can be found on the Instagrams and on YouTube at Finding G Spots. (laughs) Dang right. (laughs) (laughs) I think those vervoids know something about that. Anyway. Yeah, point as well about this being so close to Colin Baker's end. Yeah, I I was having the same thought watching this. Like it it does feel like it's just going to be boom, he's gone anyway. That that is true. I mean, this is his final season, right? Yeah. So in the next episode, we are going to have him regenerate. Presumably, unless they do some weird thing with it. Yeah. I'm now thinking. Do uh, do you know how trial ends? No, I. Uh, there is one detail which I thought I knew about this. Which hasn't come up yet. <laughs> oh, otherwise, otherwise, I don't know anything about this. So I, mean, I wonder we will if. Find out. Oh, interesting. I mean, right now I'm thinking, it, GP. Thank you. You've totally opened my eyes to this. I, I'm now wondering if what's going to happen is he kind of loses the trial, but it's it's a compromise of sorts. So he doesn't lose all of his lives, but he loses this one. Ah, yeah, possibly. Like force to regenerate type thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, this is super duper exciting. Wow. Holy moly. Right. GP, thank you so much. Yes. Who's next? Why, next up, it's Mr. Kieran Evan. What up, Kieran? Hello, Kieran. Kieran starts. So we have the third segment of the trial, and we have the Doctor using evidence from the future. Answering a distress call from a space liner, he and his new companion get involved in a murder plot. Ah, it's Mel, played by Bonnie Langford as the companion. I'll be upfront and say that Mel is definitely a companion that gets fixed by Big Finish. Her on-screen appearances aren't the best. She's a little too annoying, and you can tell that they aren't sure how to write her. Not having a proper introduction story makes her a little strange. Less intrusive trial scenes, I think, maybe? The Blu-ray set has a re-edited version of this one with the trial scenes removed. Apparently it works fairly well. Bond girl and Avengers star Anna Blackman. Holy shit! Doctor Who does get an amazing variety of actors. 
Oh my god, of course she's in The Avengers. I'm a, such a fool. Okay, I've seen her in that as well. Nice. Kieran continues, Apparently Commodore Travers has met the Doctor before. The BBC book's PDA Instruments of Darkness has this as Six and Evelyn. She's a big Finnish companion and a very good one as well. I don't think the method of destroying the Vervoids makes sense, but that's a given for the science in Doctor Who. It's shaky at best. Can we comment on the Vervoid design? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Hmm, it's a bit weird. And by killing them all, the Doctor has committed genocide, which carries the death penalty on Gallifrey? Oh dear. And Kieran concludes with by saying, Segment-wise is a fairly decent story, even if it looks quite cheap in places. 3.4 out of 5. Trial sequences, meanwhile, 3.3 out of 5. Hmm. I feel like that's quite mm. a strong rating for the trial sequences. That's, yeah, that's that's super duper strong. Also, you know what? How have we not had a conversation about what the verboids look like? Like we've we've just been discussing around it, effectively assuming everyone knows what we're thinking. Everyone knows. Everyone's thinking the same dude, thing. Dude, dude, you've said this on multiple occasions before we got here, and I that's, I think we probably said that's it. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they look like a penis coming out of a vagina. There we go. That's exactly right. I just really <laughs> needed someone to say it. <laughs> you, you have said it multiple times. I'm merely <laughs> quoting back to you. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm really sorry. I, I feel really bad for bringing, bringing that up again. And here's the thing. Perhaps it's just my personality. Perhaps it's just my moral stance. But you know what? Dag nabbit if I'm not going to blame big oil. How can we combat big oil, Jim? <laughs> I mean, obviously, to combat big oil, we need to get all our vans under control, make sure that Absolutely. they are all electric. Absolutely. Definitely not polluting anymore. That brings us to a message from our sponsor. Head on over to KJ Evans 2 <laughs> and use the promo code PLANTLIFE. For and use the promo code Frenulum for ten points, ten percent off for yeah. all your Ivan needs. <laughs> Thank you, Kieran. Thank you awesome much. mini. Let's keep the momentum. Oh my God! Yeah, Next. because the momentum has to carry straight into the Zoonmeister himself, Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? Oh, Peter starts. I can't wait to hear the podcast for this series because for the life of me, I can't understand why animal kind hates it. <laughs> well, you've just heard the podcast minus what is left to run. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> Peter, of course, continues. That was not the entire review. While not an epic thrill ride, it's got the seeds of a good production. See what you did there. And nice. certainly does not deserve the compost pile of hate it's known for. Oh, I noticed nice. that one too. <laughs> First, Mel. She's not as bad as everyone says. She's actually pretty likable in many ways. Agreed. I think what bothers people at first impression is A, no proper introduction, and B, that workout music. Hmm. Yeah. Peter continues, okay, she screams a lot, but man, what wonderful screams. They're worth recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Peter. <laughs> uh, Peter, you, 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 you just ended up on a list. <laughs> Her rapport with Doc is that of old friends, which some might feel is undeserved. For anyone who says it's Bonnie herself, pa. She brings a ton of energy to the set. Still doubting? Listen to her audio dramas. She's almost electrifying. Well, I'm very tempted to now, yeah. Peter continues, The next issue is the whodunit aspect. While I admit the story rambles at a plant's pace, what's there is done quite well. Half of the acting is quite natural and the other half is mostly acceptable. <laughs> 
Even trivial wow. characters have a moment of development and or their time in the high-intensity light. There are many sets, the effects quite remarkable considering, and the makeup just takes over. Also, in a strange twist, I actually judge the court scenes as quite enjoyable. I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, And I'm curious to hear what you think, Jim, because the last time you weren't super-duper enthused, as I recall. I think they were just, they were more subdued in this. So, yeah, they were fine. Okay, okay, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Peter concludes with, is it awesome? No, but it's certainly not worth throwing into a black hole. And he gives this 2.3 times I felt bad for trolling my Venus flytrap with a pencil. <laughs> I mean, that's so sadistic and just a teeny tiny bit hot. That's that's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, 2.3 sums it up nicely. <laughs> Thank you very much, Peter. Excellent stuff. Very good stuff, Peter. Thank you. Okay, right. those are the ones we're reading in full. Now yeah. we've got the remaining six. Ooh, well, they, they're just going to get a name and a rating. And the first name we've got is... Stephen! From Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Stephen. Stephen says a lot of things and then just says, Overall, this story earns 4.7 male screams out of five. <gasps> nice! Wowzers. Nice! Why did Stephen enjoy this so much? Oh, you'll have to go to the website to find out. Sorry. Yes, please do. And when you've read it, tell him hi from us. He can be found at S. Andreechen. Indeed. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Next, it's Down from Devon. From Devon. I thought that was pretty nice. What up, Dan? Dan gives us a rating of 3.6 perfectly tuned screams out of 5. Absolutely solid rating from Dan from Devon. Please head on over to the website and read that in its full splendor. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you very much. Interesting the number of people using that as a scale. (laughs) Who's next? Why, it's Mr. Ed Corbett. It's Ed Corbett or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right, it's Ed. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. Ed (laughs) gives this a nice number of 3.1 out of 5. Good stuff indeed. Lots of twists and turns in Ed's mini. Please head on over and read that as well. Very nice. Thank you, Ed. Who's next? Why, it's none other than Michael Ridgway. 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 (laughs) Hello, Michael. (laughs) Hello there, Michael. Michael gives us a rating of 3.8 out of 5 passengers doomed to a spiky death. Worst space cruise ever. Oh, don't I know it. People who are not Michael, read his mini in its full splendor and tell him hi from us on Twitter. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore lob. Thank you, Michael. So big. Who's next? Next up, we've got Neil. Hello, Neil. What up, Neil? Neil gives us a rating of almost straight down the middle, 2.4 out of 5. Nice. Please read Neil's mini and his Poirot reference in its full splendor and follow him on Twitter and Instagram, respectively. Neil Androzani and... Neil James Actor. Respectively. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you, Neil. Who's last? Last up, Richie Black. Hello, Richie. Richie gives this a rating of three out of five. Get that plant seed away from my cuts. 
Dang, right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Don't want that anywhere near it. Ugh. No, yikes, caramba. No, please. No, no, no. Stop it. That is uh, another excellent rating. People who are not Richie can follow Richie online, which they should after they've read his mini and its full splendor. He can be found at what, Jim? Why, Richie can be found at uh, Richie Sexington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Richie, and everyone who gave us a, a mini for this episode. Yeah, Obviously, go back to whobackwhen.com if you want to read stuff you have listened to or you didn't listen to because we didn't read it out. That's the place to yeah, go, you, whobackwhen.com. And of course you want to. You've got a heart, don't you? Do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, well, that was it for Terror of the Fur Voids. Christ, oh wow. Yeah. Part three of Trial of a Time Lord, done. Poof. Yeah, there Wait, it is. Part three. This was. Oh my! You're right. This is part three. This is part it? three. Yeah, yeah. Redonk. 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 After this, there's yeah. just a thing. Yeah, and it's like tiny. it's only a two episode one as well. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a closer. It and half of that is just going to be. Oh no, we're losing our doctor. Yeah. Do you have any Go theories you know about it. the closer that you want to disclose now before we actually get to it and watch that? Well, I mean, it's called the ultimate foe. Like, there's yeah. There's a face-off with the Valyard of some description. How we get from the trial to that, I don't know. And I like your theory that Doc is somehow forced to regenerate as maybe maybe it's recompense maybe it's his like he's not going to get killed but he's as good as sort of thing you know what i'm going to retract that theory i'm going to revise it i reckon what's going to happen is he's going to win the valyard is going to lose but as the valyard loses and i still have zero idea who the valyard is but as the valyard loses he's effectively gonna fire a shot at the doctor with possibly a proverbial gun. Like, I, I don't know if it's going to be that or maybe he just like presses a button or whatever it is, you know, and that is going to cause the regeneration. So it's a, damn, I lost, but it, I don't care. If I'm going down, I'm taking you down with me kind of situation. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Well, I have to wait and see. Yeah. But there will be other things happening. Obviously, yes, when we are back in classic land, we will be recording the ultimate foe. That is oh, the next yes. thing. In New Who territory, we'll be recording what, Miss Leon? Oh, it's a modern classic. It's Praxius. Famed for its good writing and acting, tempo, everything else. Great episode all around. Cannot wait. In Audio Who land, meanwhile, what's coming up there, dude? It will be the very up-to-date redacted. It certainly will be. Dang right. You thought you had seen slash heard the last of Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor. Nay, I tell thee. Nay. Check out our next Audio Who review. Goodness knows when that's going to drop, though. And in Bonus Who territory, most likely it's going to be the New Year's bloops. It is the 1st of December <laughs> at the moment. So yeah. Most Wait, likely. when we have a bonus sick doctor? Retrospect? Holy shit. You know what? That's such a good point. I forgot to factor the retrospectives into the list of episodes Time scale. in our calendar. Yeah. Oh no. Oh wow. Oh wow. Okay, yeah, so it might be that. I don't know. I need to do the maths on this one. If I had to guess though, I'm gonna say it's probably gonna happen at the start of next year. Yeah. A couple of things to look forward to in bonus land at least. Definitely. In the meantime, I think people can say hi to you somehow, Jim. How can they say hi to you? People can actually say hi to me over on Mastodon. I have committed. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Okay, right. Where? Okay. How? What? I haven't this even prepped Liam. Finding out as well. Yeah. I haven't prepped him for this. Do you want to know how much I've leaned into a joke? <laughs> I've bought. 
bought a domain. I have my own server for this. Oh my god, what? So, okay, I okay. couldn't get the who. So, I am on Mastodon, Jimmy yep. at thewhatnow.eu. That is incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> I have no idea how Mastodon works. I, I know that a few people in Podcast Land have recommended that we move to Mastodon. Thank you very much for that. I haven't looked into it yet. But I, I don't know how that works. Do people like go to you and register with you? You bought a server? Yeah, I'm just the, the giggles I'm running a thing <laughs> wow holy smokes that is super cool <laughs> so i am jimmy at the whatnow.eu if you pump that That's into a mastodon search i will come up. absolutely incredible <laughs> yeah <laughs> Right, well, you heard it here f- first, folks. In the meantime, you can say hi to me as well. I am at least currently available on Twitter, where I do very little, but where you can say hi to me, and I do say hi back, I'm at Ponkin. Very possibly, I will be at I will be something at the what now, at some point in the near future. Who knows? <laughs> you can also say hi to both of us on Twitter via at whobackwhen, and also email us at whobackwhen at gmail.com. Mm. Indeed. So many avenues of contact. Oh, great stuff. Yeah. Well, that was Terror of the Vervoid. This has been a blast. Oh my goodness, it has. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jim Cakes. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Leon. Thank you, Podcast Land. Always such a good audience. Until the next time, then. See ya. Thank you so much for listening. Rock on. Be rad and excellent to each other. Ciao, ciao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's who back slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website who back where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?